0: Are either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry? You waste all our film. (laughs) It's so bad. Another summer weekend, another wannabe blockbuster. Or two. Welcome. Thank you for checking out the Screening Room podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, and we are from MadWolf.com. And the Screening Room podcast is sponsored by Marcus Crosswoods Theater with
1: the seventy-foot-wide ultra screen featuring Dolby Atmos surround sound and Dream Lounger recliners.
0: This week we'll start off with a rock in a high place. <laughs> You're so proud of that. See what I did there? A father goes to great lengths to save his family from a burning skyscraper. It's skyscraper. What's going on? The 96th floor is on fire. You're gonna be just fine, I promise you that. No, 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 no! Daddy! Tell me, how much do you love your family? If we're gonna get out of here, you're gonna have to tell me the truth. There's a reason they chose this building. My family is the only thing that matters to me right now.
1: I will give you $10 if you can get through a conversation about this movie without
0: mentioning Die Hard. How much is The Towering Inferno going to cost me? (laughs) (laughs) It's tough, but you know what? This movie, it knows that. It accepts that. And it cranks it up to full tilt boogie and just goes for it to be a a fun (laughs) summer spectacle. And pretty much... Gets away with it. It's, you know, it's Dwayne Johnson, but you you can kind of separate his roles into Dwayne Johnson roles and The Rock roles. Yeah. You know, this is The Rock. Yeah. This is the F-Rock, you know, (laughs) saving the day with his good guy charisma. Here he plays Will, and he's a former Marine and a former FBI hostage negotiator, so badass. And uh, years ago, in a flashback, finds out how he lost his lower left leg in a hostage tragedy, hostage negotiating tragedy. So now, brings us up to present day, and he has a small security firm, a security assessment firm, and the one good thing about his tragedy is that his surgeon, when he got hurt, was Nev Campbell, mm-hmm. and now she's his wife, and they have two cute kids, and everything's great, you know, the perfect life, of course, to set it up. So he's got this small security firm, and he's he's a little intimidated, but happy that he gets the call to assess the security of this giant new building, it's the tallest building in the world, the, pu- the Pearl in Hong Kong, and it's set to open its upper half, upper half of the floors. They're going to be residences. The bottom half has been offices and things. Now they're going to do residences, and he's been hired to s- assess the security, which he finds, you know, intimidating, but we find out there's a reason he's been asked for that. He's, there's a
1: reason they asked a tiny little American agency to come all the way out to Hong Kong to assess this building. Did you
0: just call the rock tiny? ha! <laughs> Oh, <laughs> contraire, mon frère! But uh, all right, so he's part of a plan here by an international terrorist to uh, get something in the vaults of this big skyscraper. That what's the movie what that, that reminds so me of? I'm not going to mention it. No. Uh, so the setup is very that movie, and then, <laughs> and, then, and then when things uh, start uh, going haywire and blowing up and catching on fire, that's when it becomes the other movie and the rocks will's family. Gets, they're taking one of the residences, one of the apartments on the house, you know, while he assesses the building. So uh, they get stuck in there once things get crazy. And who becomes the high rise fly in the ointment? That's going to be Will Mm -hmm. and The Rock. So it's so unabashedly summer spectacle. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, it certainly pokes at our fear of heights. And there's a lot of people that are afraid of heights. And there's some really, you know, gasping um, effects, especially if you catch it in 3D that might make you go, oh, you know, for the uh, for the fear of heights out there. But it's it's totally and completely ridiculous. I mean, only if the terrorists and the rock get in the face-off machine and switch faces <laughs> could it have been more ridiculous. It has constant callbacks, constant setups, where it almost pauses for applause. Like, here we go. Isn't this crowd-pleasing? But again, it's, it's so earnest in doing it. And it, the commitment... Is is so so much there for just the you know the summer popcorn muncher, and, and we want The Rock to save the day, and he's going to. Here's the
1: thing that's so I think interesting to me about The Rock is that um, he manages to elevate bad movies, and I I can't I don't know how because it's not as if he's a master thespian. People just not. love him.
0: He's he's he's, he's got,
1: incredibly likable.
0: Incredibly likable. He has this good guy charisma. You know, mm-hmm. in a movie like this, you know, well. You're going to know that it's going to be a happy ending anyway. But you know he's going to just come out of it, you know, biceps blazing, saving the day, yep. doing what he has to do. And he does. And the director is uh, Rawson Marshall Thurber, who's really come from comedy. He, yeah. di- he directed uh, The Rock in uh, Central Intelligence. He did We're the Millers. Right, right, right. There's going to be a We're the-, We're the Millers too, by the way. Did wow, you know that? I yeah. did not know Although that. Although I did kind of did enjoy dodgeball. that. He did dodgeball. Yeah, yeah, so good, funny stuff there. But here... He jumps into this action disaster movie thing like he's been waiting for it his whole life. He's Oh, I got the tools, I got the rock, let's have <laughs> some fun. And that's what it feels like. You know, again, it's 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 so ridiculous, but in a fun way. It's it's not gonna win any awards. It's it's not a great movie, but it's summer, it's fun. If you, you know, just want to enjoy that type of thing. I thought it was worthwhile just for that. And to just know that it is totally ridiculous. Now let me just backtrack they for know a second. It's for yeah. context. Yes.
1: You also enjoyed Hurricane Heist.
0: <laughs> <laughs> In that same sort of way. I know. Um, this one is better than that, uh, but yeah, I do. When a movie has a self-awareness to it, yeah, you know, uh, it totally knows the movies that it's cribbing from. Mm-hmm. It knows. It knows that, you know, mm-hmm. unless you're very young and haven't seen some of those movies. But it's like, you know what? So what? Those movies are decades old. Ideas are born to be borrowed. Let's go. Let's blow some stuff up. Let's, you know, get heroic. And I, I do give them credit for this. Nev Campbell, who we haven't seen for a while. You no. Know, like, oh, Nev Campbell. Nice to see you. She gets to be more than just the loving, you know, adoring, you know, uh, spectator. Right. She gets to kick a little butt. Nice. Uh, not as much as The Rock, but yeah, that's nice. She becomes an active, you know, not just, you know, standing by while her man saves the family. Mm-hmm. She gets in, involved in it, too. Mm-hmm. So that's nice. So, yeah, I would give a, you know it's ridiculous, endorsement to The Rock and Skyscraper this week. And next up, one we've been looking forward to in an alternate present-day version of Oakland telemarketer cassius green discovers a magical key to professional success propelling him into a macabre universe sorry to bother you i just really need a job this is telemarketing stick to the scratch
1: hello oh this is cassius green sorry to bother you i've just wanted to you want to make some money here use your white voice my white voice like this young hey mr kramer this is langston from regal view was that Visa or MasterCard? We go you don't have to sell out. I'm not selling out. Here's the starting salary. Well, man, I'm going to have to get me some new suits.
0: We will have a transformative experience. Boy,
1: well, this one is, is bold. It's fresh. It is nuts.
0: Just the first time I watched the trailer, I'm oh, like, yeah. oh, so this is going to be really just out there.
1: Yeah. You know, it starts off. You follow um, Lakeith Stanfield from Get, Get Out. Out. He's also on Atlanta, Atlanta.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I know him from Get Out. Right. Uh, and and he's he's you know he's he's got a well, he doesn't have an apartment. He's living in his uncle's garage, and he just needs a job. So he uh, he takes a job as a telemarketer, and it's it's the the hiring scene is hilarious. It's so great, and it just grounds you in. This is the lowest of the low. This job—it's a shitty job that he's taking, and he doesn't really want it, but he's happy to have it.
0: It does seem like I've never done telemarketing. It seems seems awful, soul-crushing. The closest I ever got was a project I had to do in college, where we had to do something very similar, and just hated it.
1: Yeah, I just hated it. And he's so—you know—the actor. He's—he's just got this sort of wearied, you know, let's just get through this look about him (laughs) all the time, which fits perfectly in here. But what's funny is that. Early on, when he first starts making the calls, uh, Boots Riley, the writer-director, starts throwing in these just little splashes of kind of surrealism, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that make it seem, oh, like, jolt you out of, of you know, ordinariness and, and, and make you pay a little bit more attention to what's going on. But it quickly turns into something much wilder, much uh, richer. I mean, the... There is so much depth here to the story, to the characterizations, to what he's saying, to the political statement he's making. Mm-hmm. But he's not, I mean, it's its sort of almost sloppy in, in a good way, in the way that it just throws a lot out there. It is This movie is just bursting with images and sounds and ideas. Um, and then uh, the, the longer it goes on, kind of the more surreal things become until the metaphor uh, is... Full on nuts. I mean, it just gets (laughs) nuts. And there's a certain moment in the film where they introduce this character who runs kind of a work placement, uh, basically slave labor Mm. uh, company, Mm -hmm. and and it's run by a character played by Army Hammer. And uh, Army Hammer is is an interesting actor to me because he seems to be so aware of his own sort of physical perfection.
0: You know, it's <laughs> the like... The living Arm- Ken doll. That's the thing.
1: Army <laughs> Hammer is so sort of... Yeah, is that he's almost laughable. He's almost laughably perfect. Mm. And he really embraces that in certain films. And in this one in particular, uh, he is just outstanding. And to see him because he's all... He's so tall. He's so erect. And Lakeith Stanfield is always so sort of hunched over and pigeon-toed and skinny. And they just make this perfect balancing act of each other.
0: And, and, and yeah, and it's funny. Uh, Army Hammer, you talk about self-awareness. I mean, I'm sure he would like to be, you know, to, to lead films, but he is starting to carve out a niche for himself as a supporting actor in a solid one. Where you make a good point: if you carved a leading man out of granite, it might look like exactly. Army Hammer. Yeah, but he's found more success as a supporting character actor.
1: Yeah, and he, yeah, and he. I mean, he brings just the perfect tone to to this particular role. And you should know going into it that Boots Riley is a socialist, and uh, and he leads a a, a, a and, very funky rap group. And a music- I was going to say the, and a musician, yeah. Uh, and uh, and so that's the sensibility. It's not just that it's a socialist sensibility, which it very much is. It's it's kind of a musician's sensibility. It's it's so vibrant. It's so fluid. It's so nutty, uh, but it is incredibly smart. But at the same time, you you know. It starts off, you sort of feel like you're watching, you know, any kind of particularly smart, well put together, office based comedy. Mm-hmm. But you are not. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that there's going to be a part part in the film where people might just become uncomfortable. Like we're going someplace. Like this isn't too even much,
0: too much of a left turn. Yes. Yeah.
1: But but for me, I loved that, and, and the truth is, the movie derails completely by the end. It just derails, but gloriously so, mm-hmm. and I feel like anything tidier wouldn't have really fit the film. Right. Uh, I I loved it. I, even, I was so surprised by everything that I was watching. Like, everything was shocking and new. Yeah, and
0: that can be a good thing. And
1: haven't even messaged Tessa, Tessa Thompson, Thompson. I, I was going to say, it. yeah. She's amazing, as she always is. I am such a huge fan of hers. She's outstanding in this movie, and between she is uh, um, Cassius is the name of the lead character. She plays his girlfriend, and they just have a, a really believable relationship that anchors the the nuttiness because she is an avant garde artist and she's obviously very down with the cause. He's just a dude, and at some point he's realizing this girl is too good for me. (laughs) I need a job. (laughs) So so he goes along with certain things because, you know, it's what you should do because my girlfriend is smart and and savvy and into this whole thing. But on the other hand, he's like, I might have found some actual success, and that's really what I need to do to keep this girl, right? And Mm -hmm. without hitting you over the head with their message – the film makes some brilliant points that are so of this moment that I can't imagine this ha- this film having be- seen any real commercial success even five years ago yeah. and he wrote it about a dozen years ago. that's interesting so yeah. so it's coming out at the perfect time yeah um and I hope people see it
0: yeah, yeah, me too so big recommendation for sorry to bother you and we move to a family film next. It's part three in the hotel Transylvania. Franchise, Hotel Transylvania 3, Summer Vacation.
1: Dad? Hello? Oh, Mavis! You're stressed out from working too hard. You need a vacation from running everyone else's vacation. And I know just how to fix it.
0: Mavis, where are we going? A crew? Oh. Surprise! Oh, no, 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 Dad. no, Dad! No. So this is Adam Sandler's uh, project, one of his animated franchises. This one has now on to part three and... We didn't see this one. This one was reviewed on our website, madwolf.com, by one of our writers, Rachel Willis. And truth be told, though, it's not a franchise that we really like too much.
1: It, it isn't. And and part of it is I, I really like monsters. And so a lot of times when you just make them goofy, nothing characters, it, it irritates me. And also, I don't always find Adam Sandler's, even his very clean-cut, yeah. child-centered humor, very funny.
0: Yeah, so in this one, uh, the Count is lonely and his daughter sends him off on a monster cruise and he tries to find love with a character, Erica, played by Catherine, Catherine, Catherine Hahn, Hahn, that's always, a always great. great. Addition. So basically, um, Rachel's view was, look, if you need to get out of the heat, the summer heat, parents, this will do it. The kids might enjoy it for a little while. You're probably going to be checking your phone, checking your watch, checking whatever you have and kind of... You know, not uh, not being too upset when it's over, but it's, a, I, I guess, a decent time waster.
1: Yeah, I think the, that's uh, basically the, the
0: the result of her, yeah, of the the her review. Yeah, the line for Hotel Transylvania 3. So let's move on to one that is definitely a lot more than a time waster. This is the latest by the director of Winter's Bone. Seems like it's been a while since we've heard from Deborah Granick. A father and his 13-year-old daughter are living in an ideal existence in a vast urban park in Portland. When a small mistake derails their lives forever, it's called Leave No Trace. Do you feel safe living with your dad? We didn't need to be rescued.
1: Your dad needs to provide you shelter and a place to live.
0: He did. It's not a crime to be unhoused, but it's illegal to live on public land. We have found an option. Are we going to be okay here? We can still think our own thoughts. I
1: think it might be easier on us if we try to attack.
0: wearing their clothes
1: we're in their house we're eating their food we're doing their work we have adapted i don't want to leave same thing that's wrong with you isn't wrong with me well first of all ben
0: foster ben foster everybody uh, if you don't appreciate Ben Foster, and it seems to me like he's underappreciated.
1: Well, I, I think that a lot of people may not even recognize that name. I mean, But he's more than just a that guy. I mean, he always turns in a brilliant performance. As much as I loved Hell or High Water, and I loved it, mm-hmm. it was his performance that sealed the deal. And, uh, I mean, he's always great. He's great again
0: here. He is great again here, and he's matched by a just a terrific young actress who's got some credits, uh, mainly on TV. She had a a small part in one of the um, Lord of the Rings movies, but her name is Thomason McKenzie. And she's fantastic as uh, his daughter. Um, Ben Foster also plays a character named Will. We just talked about Will in Skyscraper. But, uh, yeah, they are living in a park in Portland. Massive park. And they have their own homemade camp, and they get by, and they, they stay out of people's way, and they take great pains to not get spotted because it's illegal to live in the... In the camp there, Will has some. He has some issues that they don't. They're not very overt with in the storytelling, and that's the beautiful thing. One of the many beautiful things about this movie, Deborah Granick um, helps write the script, and it's adapted from a novel called "My Abandonment." Called "My Abandonment" uh, by writer Peter Rock, and it has such subtlety to it. And I and I love that in a movie, and this one works it so well. It has such grace and and it even though it deals with similar themes to winter's bone if you remember winter's bone you know very rural yep. uh, people kind of living on the edges yep. hard scrabble existence you know people that are uh, that quote unquote regular society just doesn't know what to make of you know that sort of thing but winter's bone had a had a sinister layer yes, you know like absolutely. What, you know what are these people up to as jennifer lawrence was looking for her father you know she uncovers some some dark things. This one does not. This one has a very, very tender, very heart-wrenching layer of of caring for these characters, especially the more it goes on and the more you find out little little bits of backstory about them. But they don't. They do not spoon-feed you anything. It's it's quite the opposite. You know, so much is said in the silences between mainly these two characters that you just don't see in movies to, to get by with it as successfully as they do and to move the story forward. But mainly, it's the connection and the relationship between these two characters and these two actors. Uh, They create such a great bond that lets us into this father and the daughter and when they finally do get spotted, they have a slip-up and do get spotted and do get taken into custody, and as the bureaucratic web is forcing him, forcing Will to adapt to society, he is even more desperate to get out and to get back to his existence in the park. and. And slowly, as he's desperate to do that, he has to start to realize that maybe that's not the life for his daughter. She's at the age now where she can see that maybe it's time to make her own choices, and she doesn't. She loves her father. There's no question about that. But maybe it's time that he has to accept that she has to go her own way. And by the end, it you may not have a dry eye. Uh, it's, it's really, really, uh, graceful in the way it just tugs at your heart. But even, even if it wasn't as successful as it was in the storytelling, just these two performances alone are, are worthwhile. But if you just want to see a really great drama, so well put together, so subtle about the things it's saying, and it does, it raises a variety of good social concerns, but it does it so quietly. And to me, that makes them even more impactful. You know when you can do some storytelling like this. So, so Ben Foster again, like you say, another great performance and a string of great performances. And keep your eye on this Thomason McKenzie because even though this isn't her debut, uh, great it looks like great things in store for her. You remember how Winter's Bone pro- propelled?
1: Oh yeah, Jennifer Lawrence.
0: Jennifer Lawrence's uh, career. She, so. she was
1: Oscar nominated for that, and then she basically right. went on to get nominated every year since. <laughs> yeah, oh, and she's great. <laughs> yes. Uh,
0: but this this girl, if this performance is anything, she has quite quite a future ahead of her so a big big recommendation for leave no trace and one more wide release this week scary movie we love that in the fall of 1960 father riley and father thornton were sent by the vatican to investigate a miraculous event in an irish home for quote fallen women only to uncover something much more horrific this is called the devil's doorway hello you are not prepared for this father riley i've seen moving statues I've seen water turned into wine. I've seen miracles, John. But that's not what's happened here.
1: Prepare yourself, Father. God in heaven.
0: Evil is all around us, John. The devil doesn't have to hide. Father, Tommy!
1: The Father commands you!
0: God's Son commands you!
1: God, the Holy Ghost
0: commands you! Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. Well, I'm glad you got a chance to write the review for this on MadWolf.com, our website, because all the Catholic movies I defer to you. Twelve years of Catholic school makes you much more <laughs> of an expert than I do. And the good news is this one passes you know, passes some of your your tests on That's dealing right. with Catholicism. That's It passed the
1: catechism. It did. <laughs> so, and it is it is a funny thing because, of course, we watch so many horror films, and and you know, setting a horror film inside the sort of you know uh, holy ground of of Catholicism certainly not new. No. Uh, you know, obviously the biggest one ever is The Exorcist, and this one understands that you are going to compare it to The Exorcist. So, hats off. To writer-director Isling Clark for realizing that and just not avoiding it, um, she sets the film. We follow two priests, one uh, a veteran, one a novice. So what? Right. And there's a young girl, and there is levitation.
0: Just don't bring up Die Hard. That's right. I will not.
1: <laughs> but what I think is interesting about this movie is is you know so The Exorcist really sort of tells a story about about mankind gone awry, making us uh, susceptible to Satan, and then needing the holy church to come and save us, mm-hmm. right? So either in the form of this innocent girl or also the form of, of the priest who's facing a, a crisis of, con- of faith. That's really the one of the very few films in horror that does that. Since then, because of all of the very, very uh, public um, horrors happen inside the catholic church right. generally speaking when a horror film is made in this sort of a, an era it, it is meant to dismantle that idea and that horrible things happen in holy ground because the catholic church is so tainted sure. this is one of those but it gets cath- it, it under actually understands sort of what it's talking about and it sets it in a magdalene laundry mm-hmm. which is the you know this infamous chain of of church-run laundries across Ireland, where uh, people sent basically girls they didn't want to deal with, and they did—they were happy to exploit for money. So, so unwed mothers, handicapped children, uh, and any any young woman who had like petty crime, yeah. shoplifting, anyone things they like that. could
0: easily classify as a fallen woman, exactly.
1: Yeah. So it's a perfect place for this film to take place. And and the, the priests are sent because one of the statues of the Blessed Mother, her eyes are bleeding. And the older priest, played brilliantly by Leila Roddy, is just convinced, of course, that it's a fraud. So sure. it doesn't even occur to him that it could be a miracle. And his, his much younger colleague is very excited for it to possibly possibly be a miracle. But the miracle of the of the statue is a pretty minor thread to the plot because the bigger thing really is that there's something far larger and more demonic afoot. The farther they go into the film, the more Clark relies on tropes that are, by this point, a little wearisome in how well-worn they are. Uh, And eventually, you just go to a shaky cam and a lot of jump scares and, you know, um, images of dolls cast aside or, you know... Candles burning someplace, or you know, uh, upside down stars. Just things that you think really, because they start off so strong. Uh The uh, it's not a movie if you like, particularly if you like films like this. I think it's worth seeing, if only for Roddy's performance. He's amazing. But in the end, I was I was so with it when it started that by the end, the way it peters out at the end, I found it pretty disappointing.
0: So there's a couple to talk about in home video this week. Let's go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go
1: to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby.
0: We got ourselves a snack, but you know what? We cannot make any noise eating it because the first one coming out on home video (laughs) is a quiet place this week, and we loved it. We loved it.
1: And honestly, you know, it is a gorgeous movie to look at. The visual storytelling is amazing, and the sound, of course, is great. But this is one of the rare movies where I think you might just want to watch it at home because it's so <laughs> quiet yeah. that that every movement in the theater, every time somebody gets up to go to the bathroom, every time somebody munches on their popcorn, you're distracted. So true. So to watch it at home is especially if you have an, a nice system, is, yeah. is really going to be a treat.
0: Yeah, and it's if you're not familiar, uh, where you've been, it's director John Krasinski, and he stars with Emily Blunt, his real-life wife, and they, they're basically on the run in some sort of uh, near future. There's been some sort of uh, disaster, and there's a monster or, or two, and you can't make any noise, or they're going to get you.
1: Yeah, the way that it the way that it plays out is is really brilliant. And and it's one of those one of those movies where when you finally see the monster, you're not unhappy about it, you know?
0: Yeah. And uh, it made a billion dollars. So there's probably gonna (laughs) be uh, already gonna be a sequel. There's already a sequel in the works. Or is it a quieter place or (laughs) but we will see. But we really like that one out on video this week. And one we didn't like, the leisure seeker, although it pairs two stars that, you know, Donald Sutherland and Helen Mirren right away, they're great. It's you know kudos for pairing older stars together it's just what it does with the film they star as an older couple who are finally taking their bucket list trip down to key west one of our favorite places so that's why i was really excited to see this movie one of the reasons to visit uh ernest hemingway's home and the uh the male part of the couple donald sutherland he's starting to have some real memory problems so it's one of those you know late in life let's really do this before his memory goes forever and it's You know, I suppose it's well-meaning, but it's just, it's more of that laughing at them and the stuff that look at these crazy old people, what they do Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, laughing with them. And it heads toward a a real finale that you can see coming a mile away. And it was a really disappointing waste of these two likable veteran, real worthy talents. So really disappointed by the Leisure Seeker. Looking ahead to next week, one that at least one of us, that would be me, is looking forward to, The Equalizer 2 Denzel and Anton Fuqua, yeah, back together. Looking uh, forward to that.
1: Mama Mia, too. Mama Mia, here we go again. Is also next week. Cher and,
0: joins the party for yeah. that one. And uh, Unfriended: Dark Web. I guess we got another scary movie to uh, to check out. Since Just a week our, of sequels. Yeah, could, It is. Mm-hmm. It's a week of sequels. That kind, of, that kind of flows Week of sequels. <laughs> so we'll find out about those next week. Uh, let us know what you thought about these movies. Skyscraper, Sorry to Bother You, any of the other ones. We're always good for a conversation. You can find us on social media. Easiest way is on Twitter. We're at Mad Wolf M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F, on Facebook and Instagram. We're Mad Wolf Columbus And our main website where you can find the written reviews uh, for all these, plus our other podcast, speaking of scary movies, if you like those, our other podcast is Fright Club. You can find that on our website as well. So, good stuff. Get in contact if you can. If not, we will talk to you next week on The Screening Room. It's a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and Marcus Crosswood's Theater. She's Hope Madden. He's George Wolf, And this is The Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.